This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome to another edition of the Husker Online show as we are officially kind of in those dog days of May, players off campus uh, for another couple weeks. Um, really, the only thing going on is baseball, and we're going to talk a little baseball here in this opening segment with Matt Reynoldson, but um, leave it to our good friend Jerry DiNardo. Coach DiNardo uh, really stirred things up this week. Um, not really stirred it up, but he's always, you know, last year he made the comment that Nebraska should be fortunate to go to a bowl game. Then this week um, on Sirius XM's College Sports Nation, he referred to Nebraska as a have-not right now in college football, but to be fair, he said the new rule changes in recruiting um, with, with early official visits and the December signing day um, will be the ticket to give Nebraska an opportunity to be uh, have again and, and help their recruiting. And um, I wrote about that this week, and um, I do think he has some valid points. He called the new recruiting rules uh, that are coming down the biggest changes, Nate, we've seen in college football uh, since going to the 85-man scholarship limits. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I mean, this changes the game for for a lot of schools um, in, in the in a better way, I think, and and you really hadn't seen that change, you know, that type of reform since the eighty five scholarship limit. I think that uh, uh, another person that probably feels the exact same way as Jerry Donardo is probably Sean Eichhorst. You know, he's he's a person who has been a huge advocate of these recruiting changes and these the new rules that are going into place, and and would continue to like to see more changes come forth, especially that June signing period. So I think um, with the early official visits and and uh, the the you know the early signing day and, and the potential of a of a June signing day, I think that's something that could really benefit Nebraska down the road and and you know kind of even the playing field a little bit for the Huskers. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as uh, we kick things off here. Robin, any thoughts on on just kind of uh, Donardo's comments referring to Nebraska kind of in that have-not category. And what he meant by that is you're a have if you are a team that goes into the season um, with a legitimate chance to win the national championship. And and I don't think Nebraska's really been there. You could argue in 2010 um, that team you know was there. They were in the top five for a while that season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's not wrong. Uh, as di- difficult as it may be for some fans to hear that, I mean, he's, he's telling the truth. And, um, you know, I've just basing it off, you know, some of these uh, opponent spring uh, reviews that we've been doing. Uh, I just talked to the guy from Ohio State, and that is a have. Ohio State is a have. You look at the, I mean, just the the roster that they have coming back. That is a national championship contender right there. Uh, and you compare that to what Nebraska is working with. They're not even in the same category right now, um, and it's just reality. But that's not to say that there's not a chance Nebraska can get back into that group. But right now, I mean, Nebraska is a have-not when compared to the Ohio States of the world. You're listening here to the Husker Alliance. I want to shift over here to baseball. We got uh, our intern Matt Reynoldson in here as well, and he'll be covering um, the final stretch here with David Eichel. But Nebraska plays at Penn State here. It's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. Um, it's the worst team in the Big Ten. Nebraska trying to hold on uh, to win the Big Ten championship. Uh, essentially, Matt, Nebraska needs to win out, which I think you know most people think that's a realistic chance. I mean, it's still not going to be easy going against their ace on, on this opening game. But then Minnesota has to drop one of these three games against a pretty quality Purdue team. And I think uh, the odds would be in Nebraska's favor of that happening just based on the way Purdue has played this year. 
Right, and Purdue uh, fighting for that eighth spot in the Big Ten tournament, so they've got a lot to play for as well. But a lot of fans have been concerned about Darren Erstad's approach this year. They take it one game at a time, treat every game the exact same way. Well, that works out for them in the final week of the season when they're playing the last place team in the Big Ten. You might think about falling asleep, but they got the Big Ten title on the line, so they're going pitch by pitch, game by game, and I think that's paying off for them now. Now, Jake Myers hurt his hand in the Creighton game um, and, and did not bat all weekend last weekend, right? Right, that's correct. So he, he had three stitches in the base of his pinky on his throwing hand. He does bat right, but they didn't want to take a chance on that reopening. So is he now? What, what's I know he's listed as a starter for the third game this weekend, Saturday. But what's his availability uh, to hit this weekend at Penn State? Right. So Ersad said yesterday that right now they're taking it day by day with him, and so they could put him in the field at center. He has played center field all year and played it very well. He's got great range as a fielder. They could bat him, but they're taking it day by day right now, and as of now, planning on pitching him on Saturday in the third game of that series. He's coming off a career low two and two thirds innings of a start and had a real rough outing on Sunday, but I think he's looking to bounce back and I think he's a little bit healthier than he was a week ago. And you know, doomsday scenario like Nebraska's gonna fall really nowhere below the two seed. If they if they got two or three or swept, I mean the worst they could be is the the two, the best they could be is the one, is that right? No, actually they could be all the way down to a six, but the that, that would require them to like lose two out of three at Penn State, maybe or they if they are the sixth seed, it means they got swept at Penn State. Okay. But if they lose one, they could easily be the three seed because Michigan is nipping at the heels of Minnesota and Nebraska. If Nebraska sweeps, Minnesota loses one, Nebraska wins the Big Ten title. If Nebraska loses one, Minnesota loses two, and Michigan loses one, Nebraska still wins the Big Ten and title. And I don't know if you've studied the bracket, but the one seed would play on Wednesday night? Yes, Wednesday night at 5, I believe. I don't know if that's officially released yet, but that's kind of how it is every year. It's how it was last year at Omaha. So that's how they kind of structure the tournament. Yeah, I think they've adjusted the game times this year, and you're going to be out at Indiana for us. But um, instead of those four-hour windows, I think they're doing three and a half uh, because it, it was a long day at the park. I, I felt bad for our friend Kevin Kugler. He has to stay there and announce all four games. That's a long day of baseball uh, broadcasting on the BTN. Yeah, it's a much easier turnaround, too, I believe, at Bart Kaufman Field at Indiana than it is at TD Ameritrade. You know, you have so many little logistics, especially at the home of the College World Series, with the media room downstairs. And I think it's going to be a lot simpler at Indiana. I don't think they're going to go malt box situation at all for reporters. I think they're just going to do the coach interviews on the field with the team's respective media hordes and then have a quick turnaround and just go with the next game, next game, next game, and have it be a much easier transition. All right, Matt, we'll, we'll talk more on the show in the mailbag. I'm sure you're getting all the great questions lined up here for us this week. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, Robin, um, as we wrap it up here, I also wanted to hit on basketball. Um, still some, some stuff out there recruiting wise, anything new on the recruiting front uh, w with Nebraska as far as maybe an open scholarship this year or, or for down the road next year? Well, as of now, they still have the two open scholarships remaining. Um, obviously, they lost on Hans uh, Brace, who ended up uh, the Princeton transfer who committed to Iowa State. Um, so that really kind of left some questions on where they were going to go next. And right now, it's really kind of still unclear as to what the plan is. Um, you know, I know there's been a couple transfers that have emerged that um, have caught some fan interest. Um, Dwight Colby uh, from Kansas, who's kind of fits a little bit of the same mold as an Ed Morrow, um, is transferring. And, you know, I think Nebraska fans immediately wanted to jump on him and get another uh, uh, Kansas leftover. And But I don't know how likely that is. I think SMU might be the front runner there. Um, but maybe an interesting development that happened Wednesday night a kid named Parker Stewart, a 2017 guard out of uh, Tennessee, 
um, asked for his release from his letter of intent uh, from Ole Miss. And if you remember, he took an official visit along with Thomas Allen back in September and was very close to committing to Nebraska. In fact, it was kind of a deal of who was going to commit first. Obviously, neither of them did uh, in the fall, but um, he is now back on the market now. And um, he's a little bit different. Um, he's a combo guard, but a little bit different than Glenn and Thomas Allen. In fact, that he's 6'5 and can also shoot the three lights out. In fact, he's regarded as one of the better three-point shooters in the 2017 class. So um, obviously, he's still kind of waiting and see kind of where things go with him but um, if you add him to a backcourt of you know Glenn Watson Thomas Allen throwing a Jack McVeigh throwing a Nana Kenton that's all, all of a sudden an extremely dangerous perimeter shooting team uh, that Nebraska could finally throw out there and uh, it's been a long time since I could have seen that all right when we come back we're going to shift over and, and discuss uh, we've been breaking down Nebraska's opponents on their springs and uh, we've had a chance to to get through uh, eight of the 12 opponents. We're going to talk about the first half of Nebraska's schedule, some of the things that Rob and I have learned next. And then later in the show, we'll obviously take your questions in the mailbag. And then Nate Klaus and I will have a full preview of this weekend's camp in St. Louis. It's the Rivals three-stripe event uh, presented by Adidas uh, at O'Fallon High School in Illinois. Nate, myself, Greg Peterson, our photographer Tyler Krecklau will all be in St. Louis covering both the Combine Saturday, the camp here on Sunday. Um, so we'll give you a full preview of those events and then obviously uh, anything new that's happened here um, in our final segment in the world of Husker recruiting. That's all next here in this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, as we're going we're gonna to talk some uh, Nebraska schedule stuff here as we've gone through the schedule. But did I just hear this right? Our own intern, David Eicholt, Robin, bought a pair of the Lonzo Ball shoes. That's the, that's the rumor. Uh, I have yet to officially confirm this, but I did receive a text message um, during the taping of the show that, yes, he bought a $495 pair of shoes from Big Baller brand company itself, um, the, the Ball family has now profited from David Eichold's hard-earned intern money. Oh, man. Well, <laughs> that's about a month's check for David, so no I hope he's got money to, uh, money to eat this month Matt, here. Matt, you might have to cover rent this month. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right. Well, we get back on top. Well, let's get back on track here. Nebraska, Robin, uh, we, we've been going through the opponents here on the scheduling, and I uh, wanted to just take an opportunity to kind of analyze the early part of Nebraska's schedule, the first six games. Next week we can kind of look at the um, uh, the second half of the schedule. But um, out of the gates, you know, let's let's start with Arkansas State. You've had a chance um, to talk with uh, Luke Matheson, right? Yeah. Um, yep. From yep. our Arkansas State rival side. And, and this will not be – I mean, when you talk about openers, this is not necessarily going to be just a – you know, a 49 to seven type deal. I mean, this is an Arkansas state team, Robin, that's used to winning eight, nine, 10 games a year, uh, used to winning the Sun Belt, And this will be a very challenging game out of the gates. Yeah. And they're one of those programs that kind of has made a reputation of playing anyone, anywhere. Um, they are no strangers to going into big time college football environments uh, and playing road games early in the year. And so um, on, on one hand, you know, yes, they did lose, I mean, all three of their non-conference games last year um, and had a 
pretty disappointing season, but um, this is a pretty battle-tested team that um, is not going to be afraid um, coming in for the first game of the season into Memorial Stadium. So um, Nebraska better have uh, things figured out. Obviously, there's still a lot of questions for Nebraska to, to answer going into fall camp, and um, they better be ready because if they come out sluggish and start putts around a little bit, Arkansas State could give them trouble. Well, and then you've got the Week 2 game at Oregon, and you know I had a chance to, to do that breakdown um, talking to our guys uh, at Duck Sports Authority um, AJ Jacobson and and the crew over there and and you know you look at Oregon Robin this is a better Oregon team than I realized going into the season um, they return essentially everybody off of last year's squad and people forget a lot of their key players got hurt against Nebraska mm-hmm. um, including Royce Freeman who finished with about 900 and change last year after going 18 and change as a freshman well Royce Freeman's back to being Royce Freeman the injured offensive lineman they lost. I mean, their season fell apart after Nebraska, uh, both from a mental standpoint, an injury standpoint, everything. And um, they, when you look at the team that they have to work with, um, that's going to be um, a real big advantage for first-year head coach Willie Taggart. He's a Jim Harbaugh disciple. Uh, that game, um, to me, is the biggest early game on the schedule. I expect Nebraska to beat Arkansas State. That would be yeah, that, I do too. that would be a disaster. But this Oregon game is kind of one of those swing games that could maybe put you in, you know, uh, another tier of success if you could win on the road. And I think a lot of it, Robin, will be kickoff time as well. Will that be the late 9 p.m. Central game time? Will it be a Fox kickoff time at like 5:30? Could it be? I mean, there's there's so I, I think that will be something to watch too. The last thing I think Nebraska wants to do is have to play that 9 p.m. late Pac-12 window. Um, and then you got to look at Northern Illinois the next week. That's probably going to be an 11 a.m. game if you, mm-hmm. if you had to project. Um, so having to play on the West at 9 and then maybe coming home to play an 11 the next week, kind of like what Wyoming had to do this past year. They had to play um, a game against somebody uh, that went to like 3 in the morning, and then they came to Lincoln and played at 11 a.m. Um, so that that's that's something to watch for scheduling trends, and we'll know TV times here soon. Uh, you, you did Northern Illinois, Robin, as we kind of break down the schedule. This is not the Northern Illinois team that no. went to the Orange Bowl. Uh, they have kind of taken a step back. Uh, a big step back. Uh, Northern Illinois is generally kind of one of those teams that's always competing for a MAC championship, and that will not be the case this year, <laughs> based off uh, what we saw this spring. Um, you know, they they're a team that went five and seven a year ago. They'll be lucky to be that. Um, I think uh, the guy that we talked to, uh, Jesse Severson, um, works for the DeKalb newspaper out there. Um, he predicted maybe four wins is probably more realistic. And um, they have three players competing for the quarterback position. And <laughs> I gotta find the quote. He said it was it wasn't a competition of all or uh, all three quarterbacks being good. It was all quarterbacks kind of uh, having the, the the competition to see who could be the best at not being the worst. So that's kind of the situation they're working for. They don't have any wide receivers. Their offensive line is, you know, being replenished. They don't have a quarterback. Uh, They don't have a front seven on defense. They have a running back, but that's about it. So moving the ball is going to be a chore. Stopping people, especially the running game, is going to be a chore. And that sets up for a big day for Nebraska. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we uh, break down Nebraska's early part of the schedule based on what we learned this spring. And then Nebraska, Robin, opens up Big Ten play with a very favorable game with Rutgers and then Illinois. I mean, you can argue they play two of the bottom three out of the gates, uh, which is a real opportunity for them to start out Big Ten on a high note. 
Um, you look at Rutgers' year two of Chris Ash. They went 0-9 in Big Ten play. They won just two games overall. Expectation there is not much higher. They're probably going to be a three- or four-win team um, in his second year. I think the big storyline with Rutgers is they added Louisville quarterback Kyle Bolin as a late grad transfer. He was the starter over Lamar Jackson um, in 2015 and then Lamar Jackson took over later middle of that year and we all know the rest he's the Heisman Trophy winner Um, so this is a very talented guy uh, that will play quarterback for Rutgers and probably be the starter Uh, Janarian Grant's back as well for them you know he's returned eight kicks and punts over his career for touchdowns Um, he's really their guy but a great game for Nebraska at home to open up Big Ten play with no doubt. Yeah, I agree. And like you said, it sets up pretty well because not only they have Rutgers at home, then they go to Illinois the next week for that Friday night kickoff uh, against an Illinois team that is going to struggle. There's really no way around it. Um, They, too, are dealing with some quarterback issues. In fact, this spring, they had one scholarship quarterback available on the roster in Jeff George Jr. Um, So the reps were, I mean, just getting through a practice was difficult enough. Um, Obviously, Chase Crouch, who played against Nebraska last year. No relation. Yes, no no relation to Eric. Uh, He's he's the guy that most people project to be the starter, but he was held out um, after doing offseason surgery. Uh, So they had a walk-on and Jeff George Jr., as the only quarterbacks available to even go through a practice. So they didn't even have a spring game because they were so depleted at quarterback as well as some other positions. Uh, and the, the, we look at what they lost on the defensive side of the ball. They lost three players to the NFL, one of which was a third-round draft pick and Dwayne Smoot at defensive end. So um, they lost a ton from a team that really wasn't very good last year. And now there's really questions on how they're going to be able to fill those voids. Um, They're extremely thin at multiple positions. And the fact that, you know, they have such issues at quarterback, it's going to be tough sledding for Lovey Smith in year two. Yeah, it is uh, interesting too, Robin, with with where they're at. You would think with Lovey Smith and some big name coordinators, their recruiting would even be promising, but it's not been. I mean, they have two commits right now, a three-star quarterback and a two-star offensive lineman. Um, they're so close to cities like St. Louis and Chicago, yet we don't ever hear any of these top St. Louis kids really consider the Illini. So you, you have to wonder, is this really working right now with Lovey Smith? And you know, Josh Whitman has kind of gone all in. He's the very young, aggressive AD. He hired Brad Underwood, looks like a great basketball hire. But this Lovey move, um, you know, I think the jury remains out on it. Yeah, and you know, it's. The, the risk you run when you take an NFL guy and try to have him run a college team. They're two completely different worlds between the pros and the college game, and uh, I think Lovey's finding that out. Um, you know, not only did you know he join Illinois, he brought a lot of his NFL guys with him, and right now the transition hasn't gone the way people had thought. And I think the big issue for Illinois now is trying to keep that hype and momentum that they had when Lovey first took over, because um, for the first time in a while there was excitement around the Fighting Illini, but. If they have another, you know, four or five win season this year, um, a lot of that shine is going to wear off. And then you're listening here to the Husker Online show as we wrap it up. Robin, Wisconsin. Uh, I knew the Badgers were going to be the favorite after talking uh, with our guys at Badger Blitz. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind they are the favorite um, in the West right now based on what they return and the schedule they have. And the schedule is as important as anything. Their only crossover game is Michigan. Um, you know, their toughest non-conference game is at BYU. Um, so really, you're looking at a team that thinks they should be 10-2, and two, maybe 11-1 and one, when you look at the schedule Wisconsin has. They return eight offensive starters, 
eight defensive starters. Um, you know, Bart, uh, they lost Bart Houston, uh, but Alex Hornibrook will be the full-time starter. Four or five starters on the O-linemen are back. Uh, uh, Fumagalle, their tight ends back. Jazz Peavy, the receiver, the leading receivers back. Uh, they, they've got two running backs they really like that are going to step in and uh, replace um, the, the two guys they lost, and that's never been a problem for them. Defensively, uh, they have the two big holes to fill with Beagle and Watt, uh, but they they have you know uh, Sitchi back the linebacker that got hurt uh, before Nebraska. Um, I mean this is a team that's really built to win the West um, as long as they can kind of figure out their their quarterback situation could still be dicey. I think Hornibrook is a problem, but man, uh, the Badgers look like a team that that can contend for another New Year's Six bowl. Robin. Well, not only that, not only they return so much talent and depth, their schedule is extremely favorable. Their non-con, they don't have that you know game against LSU or Alabama like we've seen in previous at BYU years. in the mountains. Though it's tough, it's tough. So I mean, that is by far their their hardest non-conference game, but definitely not an unwinnable situation, especially for a veteran team uh, like Wisconsin. Then you look at their conference schedule; they don't play Ohio State, they don't play Penn State. Uh, the only real power in the East that they play is Michigan, and, and they get that at home uh, towards the end of the season. So, I mean, it really sets up well. You got that Nebraska game on October 7th, and I think most people would agree that could be the game that decides the Big Ten West. So, I mean, Nebraska, as if, uh, you know, the, the early start with, you know, heading out to Oregon in week two wasn't tough enough, um, you know, their their division title chances may ride on a, on a game that happens just, you know, five weeks into the season. All right, when we come back, we're going to shift over and take your questions in the mailbag. Matt Reynoldson will join us here again as uh, plenty to talk about here as you're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, A. Klaus, and we're going to bring back in Husker Online intern David, not David Eichel, Matt Reynoldson's here. <laughs> it's good to see you. Happy to be here. Uh, what do they call you on the board, Reynolds? Yeah, they call me Reynolds. They say I'm sleeping all the time, which sometimes I am. So. <laughs> well, I saw you posted your baseball story at 2 o'clock uh, on Thursday morning. So Yeah, I was good. you got you kind of worried, didn't I? No, yeah. So you, you you work hard, you play hard, um, but lots of questions in the mailbag this week. What what do you got to start us out with, Matt? Okay, starting out, is the Husker football team better right now than it was when it took the field against Tennessee? I, oh yeah, because you think about yes. the Tennessee game, they were missing like their best guys. Tommy Armstrong didn't play, Jordan Westerkamp didn't play, and Nathan Gary didn't play. So that if anybody like overanalyzes that Tennessee game, they really don't have a realistic grasp of what that team was. I mean, that was a way different team. So there's no doubt I think they're in a better situation than they were in that Tennessee game. Yeah, and they actually have a, a quarterback now. I mean, you know, Tommy was you know good and all, but they actually have a quarterback capable of running their system that they won. So, yes, I think by default – um, they're going to be better, and then you add in, um, you know, the, the I guess the, the supposedly improved defense. Um, I think that they're in a much better spot now, and in a much better uh, fit personnel-wise. All the red shirts on offensive exactly, line now, exactly, just from an overall depth and talent standpoint, than they were you know a few months ago. Yeah, I agree. They're totally better. Just, just based off injuries alone. Um, I mean, don't even look at the personnel, but the injuries alone, they're obviously a healthy team now and then you throw in the quarterback you throw in depth on the offensive line um and then the change in scheme on on defense which should, should suit the team better so uh, i think so yeah definitely better than in december so if we're expecting this team to be better what does the win total need to be in the fall to consider it a successful year that is such a dicey thing like because the schedule 
on the surface right now is tougher. At Oregon is is a, is a tough game. It's I think going to be a tougher game than last year's Oregon game. I think Wisconsin is going to be as good as they have been. Uh, Ohio State we know is a top five team. Penn State's a top five to top ten team. So right there on the surface, you've got four games against quality top fifteen caliber teams. I'm going to put Oregon in the top twenty five, but three Big Ten teams alone that are the best three in the conference. So um, I, I still think if Nebraska were to find a way to go about nine and three, that would be a very successful season uh, with the schedule. Um, I, I think there's so many questions though out there that very few people are going to go all in one way or the other because they just don't know what Diaco is going to do to the defense and they don't know what Tanner Lee is going to do for this offense. Yeah, if they can get you know, obviously nine wins and then maybe even ten wins with the bowl game, I think that's a, a pretty good year um, given all the question marks that we still don't know about this team uh, and the schedule, the difficulty there. Um, I think that you got to be kind of realistic and, and you know just just with the, the unknowns make it hard to predict anything much more than that. Yeah, I think it's easy to say, you know, give me nine or ten wins, and and boy, I'd be happy with that. But I think to me, it's more about progress. It's more about beating the teams that you should beat, which I think Nebraska did last year, and then also beating, eventually beating the Iowas and beating the Wisconsin's, and and you know, giving yourself a chance to win the West. I think that's, I think to me, that's what would be a successful season is if you can beat Wisconsin and Iowa or or whatever combination to to eventually win the West. Well, guess what, guys? The entire West runs through Lincoln, Northwestern, Iowa, Wisconsin. All games in Lincoln. Nebraska's West road games are Illinois. Purdue, uh, Minnesota, Penn State. and Penn, Penn State, but I'm talking in the West. Yeah, yeah. Um, Nebraska's West home draw is extremely favor or road draws very favorable, and they've got all the tough ones um, at home. So they do have an opportunity to win this West. And can a quarterback that actually hits open guys make that much of a difference? It ha- I mean, it, that's what's killed Nebraska. They've had guys running freaking wide open against Iowa every year, but they haven't hit them. Will that make a difference? I mean, that, that that's what intrigues me. I want to see. We know Langsdorf is drawing up great plays, but if if the guy can't, if the ball's nowhere near the receiver, you know, nothing you can do about a great play at that point. So, lots to think about as as we move in here to um, this off season. All right, moving on in the mailbag, you guys are heading to St. Louis for the Rivals three-stripe camp this weekend, and I know we'll talk about this a little bit in the next segment, but what are you guys looking forward to seeing out there, and are there any local guys you have your eye on out there? Yeah, I think it's good. It's always fun to have this camp. It's the only um, of the three major camp companies. This is the only one in this kind of old Big 12 North, Big 10-ish footprint area where we're at. Um, so we'll get to see all the Kansas City guys, all the St. Louis guys, the top in-state kids from Nebraska, um, even some Tennessee kids. Um, you know, it's it's going to be a wide mix. Um, but you know, Nate, you've got some news on some guys, uh, Buki and some other guys like that will be there as well, right? Yeah, I think as far as kids from outside the region um, that are going to be at the camp, uh, the you know, IMG Academy is going to be. Uh, having a handful of kids there that that'll be of interest to Nebraska fans. I th- starting with Buki Radley Hiles, he'll be at the camp. Uh, Houston Griffith uh, um, is going to be there, who's originally um, out of Illinois but transferred into IMG Academy, and and he's an interesting prospect because Nebraska's maybe getting getting their foot back in the door with him a little bit. So, you know, he's a player to kind of keep an eye on. Top 100 ranked uh, defensive back uh, out of IMG Academy, and then. 
Cam Coleman, who is uh, you know a top 100 wide receiver for the 2019 class, originally out of St. Louis, who transferred to IMG Academy. So all three of those guys are going to be in St. Louis working out. Um, you know, and then in-state wise. I, I, I want to see how the Nebraska commits do, obviously. Cameron Juergens, Masary Maypew. But I have my eye on uh, you know those some of those underclassmen, especially a guy like Chris Hickman out of Burke. Um, interested to see how he looks because this will be the first time that I've really had an opportunity to see him up close uh, and see what he's all about. Also, Makai Butler, Omaha North, 2019 guy. What is he, about 6'5", 280-ish, Nate? Yeah, I'd say 6'4", 6'5", um, and looks – I mean, he looks the part, but doesn't really have any film right now. So, um, yeah, he's definitely another intriguing in-state prospect. we got time for a couple more, Matt. Okay, next one in the mailbag. I feel like the nose guard position is very important in our new D. Why wouldn't our coaching staff take two nose guards in this class? I feel like we are taking a huge risk on Masry and cannot afford to miss on this position. It's all about – numbers it's it's it comes down to how you're managing your roster and and each year when you when you enter into a new recruiting cycle you have um, you know, you have a certain amount of scholarships at each position that you're willing to carry on your roster to, that will eventually equal 85 total total scholarships. Nebraska right now is basically at their max at the nose tackle position. So, and and that happened because they they took three nose tackles in last year's class. And uh, even though DeAndre Thomas may start out at defensive end, I think he eventually will move back inside. Um, you know, and then they had an early commitment from Masary Maypew, and and when they took Maypew's commitment, I think that they were still recruiting for the four three. They were still they had still yet to uh, land commitment from guys like Damian Daniels and Deontay Watts in that 2017 class. So I think they were still planning on taking at least two defensive tackles in this year's in its 2018 class. Well, then fast forward to landing Daniels, landing Watts, and then transitioning to the 3-4, all of a sudden you've got a tight tight space there. And, um, and I think Nebraska really just does not have room to carry another nose tackle at this class when they have more pressing needs at other positions. All right, we've got time for one more, Matt. Little scenario here. After a D1 athlete earns a bachelor's degree, can they play as a quote unquote grad transfer at the same school but in a different sport? I think so. I mean, I, I don't see why not. I mean, the closest one would have been Greg Paulus at Duke. Um, he could have played football at Duke as a quarterback, um, and he chose to go to Syracuse. He actually visited Nebraska on an official. Now, Greg Paulus is an assistant coach for Thad Mod at Ohio State. But yeah, I mean, I think the, the rules would allow you. Um, unless I'm out of line here, guys, that he, you know, you, you could do it as a grad transfer. I think one of the only things that they require is that the school that you play your grad transfer year, whatever has, uh, whatever you're getting your degree in, um, as a you know a major that you can have. So and you have to get like, accepted into the grad. Yeah, program. yeah. So yeah. I mean, as long as that works out, and so that's what Paulus did. That's why he chose Syracuse because they offered whatever he was going to get his graduate degree in. So uh, as long as you know your school currently has that program to offer i don't see why not yeah and, and i don't think it was a grad transfer necessarily but this happened at nebraska just i think last week it was announced that uh, you know, one of the volleyball players was uh, leaving the volleyball team but not leaving nebraska she was joining the track team so she transferred out of the volleyball program and into the track program uh, although i don't think it was as a grad transfer but yeah i, I think that you could uh, essentially do that 
I mean, you could technically play three sports if you wanted to. Uh, Bob Gibson at Creighton played baseball and basketball, and he was a Harlem Globetrotter uh, years ago. I mean, so it's not out of the question. Dave Winfield, um, they, you might remember, did he, at Minnesota, Dave Winfield, did he play three sports or two for the Gophers? Well, I don't know how many he played for the Gophers, but I know he was drafted in three sports. Yeah, I mean, he was a freak. So, yeah. I mean, you, you could do it. Um, you don't see – I mean, you see the football track, football-baseball combo. Yeah, and, and you don't see it as much as you used to. It, I mean, it's becoming more and more rare um, to see, but it, it's definitely – playing two sports is definitely doable. Matt Davison and um, Wilson Thomas played basketball. Mm-hmm. They were both receivers um, that, that joined the basketball team after football stuff was over. Um, but, yeah, you don't see the basketball – combo very often it's it's the basketball season kind of because of the overlap overlap is a little i mean you got to be pretty dang special there was amanda buckles nate's old high school classmate she played softball starting shortstop and i believe she started on the basketball team for the women's um how i know these things don't ask me (laughs) i covered the softball team in 1999 so uh, all right when we come back we're going to give a full preview of Nebraska's camp, uh, the St. Louis Rivals camp. A lot of Nebraska targets will be there. Nate will give you an early taste of what to look at. That's all next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus says, Heavy recruiting here uh, for Nebraska. It's going to be a, a big weekend, Nate, for a lot of uh, current Nebraska commits, targets. It's going to be a big weekend for us as we will be down in St. Louis covering the Rivals' three-stripe camp. Um, Nebraska will have a number of commits in attendance. A number of targets will be there as well. Um, we're going to go down for the Combine on Saturday, the camp on Sunday. Uh, these Combines have had over 1,000 kids, and then the camps are anywhere from 150 to 200 um, invited prospects and typically the criteria to get an invite is you have to have a division one offer in hand which makes it a little bit harder to get into than your nike camps and under armor camps um, as we turn away a lot of pretty good kids um, to our events because they don't have division one offers yet in hand but i'm looking forward to it Nate, what are you looking forward to seeing this weekend down in st louis well i think more than anything it's just the level of competition um you know we've been kind of banging that St. Louis drum and, and, or really the whole Missouri state, um, you know, the, the, how talented this area is, especially the state of Missouri for the 2018 class and even the 2019 class, how many big time players are, are coming out of St. Louis and, and even the Kansas city area in these classes. And a number of these guys are, are, you know, players that Nebraska is interested in. They've either offered or continue to evaluate and, and they're all going to be there. So I think, the level of competition at this uh, at the three strike camp on Sunday is going to be probably as good as we what we've seen from from any of these area camps in in a very long time. I think you're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we get you ready for the St. Louis camp. As far as uh, current commits that are going to be there, Cameron Jurgens, Massery Maypu, uh, Cameron Brown, the wide receiver out of St. Louis. Uh, is going to be there. Uh, Bookie Radley Hiles is expected to be traveling into St. Louis with a couple of IMG teammates, Cam Coleman and Houston Griffin, the son of Big Ten Network's Howard Griffin. Um, guys like Buki, uh, Jurgens, Nate, they're going to St. Louis really for one reason, and that's to get the invite to the Rivals Five Star Challenge in Indianapolis. Yeah, these are top 100 overall prospects in the country, um, arguably two of the, the top 
players at their positions and then in the entire nation. So, I mean, that's that's the main objective is to go to this camp and basically do what they do um, and show off their skill set and show off the, that uh, they're they're a, a top level prospect in the entire country, earn the, that ticket to the five star challenge, and um, and then from there compete against um, you know. What was no question is the the top, you know, the best of the best, the the top, arguably the top 110, 120 players in the entire nation. So that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, a little bit more of Cameron Jurgens. I know that um, everyone likes to talk about, you know, what position he's going to play at the next level. You know, is he is he going to stay at tight end? Is he, you know, is he an outside linebacker, especially in a three four, or, or does he continue to grow and does he? end up as a defensive end but um, I think he's going to go as a tight end uh, he could legitimately work out at probably three or four different positions uh, because of his athleticism but um, you know it'll be it'll be fun to see him again and and boy you want to talk about having a busy weekend that's that's Cameron Jurgens right there because he's going to be competing at the state track tournament uh, or state track meet um, probably taking home the the all-class gold in the the shot and the discus once again and then going straight from there to St. Louis to compete um, at that camp in, in hopes of earning a five-star challenge invite. So, um, you know, he's going to be having a very, very busy weekend uh, for, for an elite prospect that he is. Nate, another guy I forgot to mention, Will Farniak, uh, Husker commit out of Sioux Falls, Washington. Uh, he, he was at our camp in Kansas City. He will be at his at the camp this weekend as well in St. Louis. Yeah, Will's going to be there, um, and and I, I like the fact that uh, that some of these Husker commits, you know, guys who don't necessarily have a whole lot to prove, are still going there to compete. Uh, I think I think that's what it's all about is is competition, playing against the best of the best. And and Will Farniak is a kid who who uh, kind of thrives in that competition. You know, last year he was kind of undersized, but um, you know more than held his own against a lot of very very good players at the Kansas City Rivals camp. Uh, now he's he's starting to fill out some more, um, and he continues to have outstanding technique and everything. So um, he's going to be be kind of showing um, showing off his skill set down in St. Louis, and and probably hoping to to raise his ranking a little bit. You know, I think that uh, since he is a little undersized at this point in time, as he continues to kind of to fill out and, and to develop physically, I think. Uh, that he's a little, maybe a little underranked at, at a 5.53 star. Uh, so if he goes down and, and has a good showing this weekend against what is going to be a ton of really, really good defensive linemen at that camp, I think that he could definitely raise his stock uh, a little bit going forward. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we get you ready for the camp this weekend in St. Louis, the Rivals Three Star, Three Stripe, not Three Star, Three Stripe Camp. Um, Nate, I think when you you look at these camps, I almost compare it to like what AAU basketball is in some extent. There are very few deals in high, in college football recruiting where you get the best guys in one place to go at it. And AAU basketball, it happens every weekend in April and July and those open periods. Well, we get it for a little bit here in football, and then the, obviously the challenge event, the opening, uh, those two major events, um, and the all-star games at the end of the year um, get guys all together. But um, that's what I like about this. Like You get to see Nebraska's best go against Missouri's best, uh, and, and you just don't get to do that very often in football. 
Yeah, you you really don't. Um, and any I think anytime you can take a, a collection of football players that all have the ability to play at the next level, all have offers to play at the next level, and and put them in a setting where they can compete against one another, uh, you're really going to see you know players kind of rise to to that level. Because sometimes when you're the big fish in in a little pond, I think maybe you can play down to your competition a little bit. Um, and and when you're watching highlight film or something like that. Sometimes it can be kind of hard to judge just how good a player really is uh, because you don't quite know the competition he's playing against. But in this case, when you when you have these elite players all together, uh, there's no question what the competition level is, and and you're going to see you know some guys that um, you know there's going to be some guys that surprise you you know uh, that that kind of come out of nowhere. You Tanner knew, Farmer is a guy like exactly. that. Exactly, Nick Stoltenberg. Yeah, th- these are guys that that kind of thrived in that setting that you know you knew that they had ability and you knew that they were good players but weren't quite sure if they're you know a national type of recruit or if they're an elite level prospect but that really surprised you or guys that you think you you know you're pretty sure are elite prospects but um, you know you want them to, to kind of validate it you know a guy like Monte Harrison a handful of years ago um, you know one of the best overall athletes I've ever seen in person um, you, you knew that he was an elite guy but you didn't quite know exactly how he was going to show at the camp and he went down there and absolutely dominated. Outperformed Alan Lazard, who at that time was the number one receiver in the nation, and I think he took a drop after the camp. But yeah, yeah, I'll never forget that, Nate. I just the look on your face watching Monte Harrison that day. You somehow were the only person that convinced Monte to attend a football event, yeah. and he showed up and. And he kind of did a walk-off home run at that deal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he he, he shocked everybody, and I think I think it's still kind of a travesty that that he wasn't vaulted up into the the rivals one hundred and I still, invited to the challenge. Yeah, and invited to the challenge. I think that it was. Uh, I don't think he would have went to the challenge though. Yeah, but. probably not uh, with with baseball. Were we in an airport when he got drafted anyway that day? Uh, yeah, I believe we so. were. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's but you know he's still today. Um, that's probably one of the more impressive performances that I can ever remember. But um, but that's what elite guys do. I, I, I'm really it's exciting to see exactly you know how some of these kids thrive or or maybe disappear in these camp settings. Sometimes there's really good players that uh, you know they only take a rep or two because maybe they're they're scared. Um, and I think that tells you a lot about how you know what their makeup is. Too, it's not always about uh, evaluating their athletic ability. It's it's how competitive are these guys? You know, what what are they made of? Are are they the guys that are skipping? You know, kind of jumping in line to get it's more. It's an alpha reps? dog event. It is. It's it's. Uh, uh, you got to be a dude. You got to be just. You, you can't be afraid. I, I've talked to kids about that. I'm like, hey, I know you're told to be polite when you're around people, but when you're at this camp, it's okay not to be polite. Yeah. Because everybody's trying to eat, and only one guy can eat. You know, and you've got it. You've got to get up there and, and, and fight for it. And a lot of guys have a hard time with that because in their high school they don't have to do that. Exactly. It's it's dominate or be dominated type of mentality. So, um, yeah, I think you can learn a lot about players like you know in, in settings like this. And and plus, it's always it's always um, extra beneficial, I think, to be able to see these guys in person and and get a good feel for again what they're made of. All right, when we come back, we're going to close it up with some more recruiting discussion give you the latest from the road the husker staff went out later in the week this week uh we'll get nate's thoughts on any new developments here as we close the show you're listening to the husker online show 
This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online show, Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus as we close things off with recruiting like we do every week and already gave you a taste of what to expect uh, at the Rivals three-star, three-stripe camp in St. Louis. Um, and now we wanted to kind of catch up on the latest news and notes around Husker recruiting, Nate. And uh, first off, kind of an interesting approach this week for the staff. Um, this is a big, big week in, in the evaluation period. You're kind of in that sweet spot of the month of May um, where the action's really hot and heavy everywhere. Coaches are at track meets. They're everywhere around the country as a lot of kids will be done with high school next week. Um, on Memorial Day week. So uh, Nebraska, though, stayed in the office for a couple of days this week, and then they went out later in the week. What do you think went into the idea to maybe keep everybody home for a few days and meet? Well, I think more than anything, it's just to kind of get everyone on the same page, kind of go over all the information that everyone's gathered from being out on the road for three weeks and, and uh, you know, review a lot of film, kind of reorder the board, go over all the numbers, because these are things that are changing every day. You know, when the coaches are out on the on the road, or they're, they're seeing new players, they're seeing current targets, um, you know, again, for the first time, or, or in a lot of cases, even the, the second time this spring, and, you know, uh, they're able to see them do different things, whether it's at a track practice or track meet or whether it's uh, during spring football practice. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of different evaluations that have taken place. So I think it was good for the staff to to kind of take a little bit of, a, of a, a break and get together and go over everything and, and kind of reposition their recruiting boards, get, get all on the same page as far as uh, their numbers, how many scholarships are left in the class, what, what are the positions in need, who are they – you know, who are they wanting to take at what positions to kind of close this thing out? Um, and, and getting an initial board on the, the 2019 or even 2020 recruits. So um, I, I think that it was the level of organization um, that was that was kind of needed to, to close out this uh, evaluation period on a high note. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, and it makes sense. Their numbers are at such a great place right now. Um, they're not in a situation where they're trying to really uncover a lot of new stones. I mean, they're trying to kind of polish up what they've already uncovered at this point. Exactly. It's it's more of, okay, who are we going to make a push for to get these last final commitments in this recruiting class instead of, oh, we need to we need to continue to build depth at, at, at this position uh, for this class. It's it, They're kind of beyond that. It's more or less of, okay, what's our strategy to go ahead and, and get our final commit at the outside linebacker position or, or the defensive end position um, or offensive tackle or whatever. You know, it's, I think that's uh, getting everyone on the same board let, or on the same page, letting everyone know, okay, these are our top guys. These, these are the guys we're really pushing for right now going forward at, at these positions and um, you know just having a have, having everyone kind of working towards the same goal is is uh, is vital because I can't tell you how many times in the past where guys weren't pulling this the rope in the in the right direction or in the same direction and it was almost kind of counterproductive because you had certain coaches you know pushing to to take a kid and at a certain position and that position was was essentially full or or the kid that they wanted to to add to the class wasn't ranked as high on the board as maybe some other targets so uh, it's just nice to have everyone working on the working together on the same page towards the same goal you're listening here to the Husker Online Show Sean Callahan Nate Klaus as we talk recruiting and you know a big target Nate for Nebraska uh, remains at offensive tackle 
Um, they want to get a big time guy. Both Danny Langsdorf and Mike Cavanaugh were out at the same place earlier this week in Pennsylvania. Yeah, uh, checking out Chris Blake, uh, the big offensive tackle out of uh, out of Pennsylvania, Wyoming Valley West High School. Um, you know, the Chris is a kid that visited for the the spring game. Was a current Penn State commitment at that point in time. I uh, had previously spent a year at IMG Academy, where he became very good friends with Brock Bando, who's a, a current Husker now. Um, and and ever since that spring game, really, I think he's been a big time lean for Nebraska. And it's clear that the Huskers are making a strong push uh, to go ahead and add him in this class. He continues to pick up scholarship offers. Um, you know, his most recent offer came from UCLA. Um, and, and this is a guy I think that if they can get one more offensive tackle on this class, they could shut shut things down along the offensive line given the numbers. So, um, and, and Chris Blake is definitely a guy that that they would very much like to add in the class. And and personally, I think they do. I think they end up adding him. Um, you know, maybe as soon as in, in the next week or two. I know that he is coming to Friday Night Lights camp, so things could go all the way up until June 16th or that weekend. Uh, but I do think that they eventually and uh, add Chris to this uh, recruiting class. Nate, another guy that continues to be speculated as he could be committing here very soon is Mario Goodrich in, in Kansas City. Um, is there any more developments? I know the Red Sea Scrolls, particularly, he's a name that everyone keeps talking about, uh, that that commit could be coming. Yeah, I think that um, you know things continue to, to kind of go in that direction. I had a chance to, to catch up a little bit with Mario this past week, and he said that he is, uh, you know, he and his father are still kind of working things out, deciding when they want to make a decision, deciding if they want to take any other visits, um, and uh, and I, I personally get the feeling that that uh, you know he came out a, a couple weeks ago and said, well, a decision is not going to come until closer to after the season and after a bunch of official visits, but I'm getting the feeling that something could happen sooner than later with Mario Goodrich. And, um, and I feel like he's one of another, one of those kids. It's, it's only a matter of time until he commits to Nebraska. And, um, I know Dante Williams has been by the high school uh, several times so far during the spring evaluation period and has not only been recruiting Mario very hard, but also his father, um, you know who's who's you know, very involved in the recruiting process and helping his young son, uh, you know, make this decision. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus. Uh, as we kind of wrap things up here, Nate, uh, nothing new on the quarterback front at this point. I mean, Danny Langsdorf really hasn't offered anyone new at this point. I, I ask it every week only because it's an important question in a recruiting class. It is an important question in the recruiting class, and so far, no new offers out to 2018 quarterbacks, which to me signifies that Nebraska is not going to take it. It's over, a, yeah. yeah. It's pretty much over at this point in time. I don't see them taking a quarterback in the 2018 class. If they do, I think it will be later on down the road if um, if one of their you know, top targets that may have been committed to another school all of a sudden decommits from a school or, or for whatever reason becomes available, is back on the market and becomes available, then they might kind of re, um, reevaluate whether or not they want a quarterback in this class. But, I mean, here, the bottom line is that if, if there's not a guy that you absolutely love in this year's recruiting class – uh, that is going to be better than what you currently have on your roster, then I don't think it makes sense to to take a quarterback in this class, uh, especially since 
you know, I think the the concern about a guy like Patrick O'Brien potentially transferring now is is not non-existent, but not quite as as much of a concern as maybe it was prior to spring football. You know, that was something that a lot of people had talked about at that point in time. And now I don't see that happening. So you've got Tanner Lee, Patrick O'Brien, and Tristan Jebbia, three really good quarterbacks on campus. And um, unless you can take a guy that you feel like is is going to be better than any one of those three, then I don't think uh, it's it's worth your time to, to do that. I think that you could use that scholarship in another position in a small class. Well, once again, it's going to be a busy weekend uh, with the Rivals Camp in St. Louis, both the Combine here Saturday and then the camp on Sunday. And then the baseball team uh, can try to win their first major men's title um, since joining the Big Ten in year number six here, the Huskers now in the Big Ten, uh, both Matt and David will have complete coverage of that. Then Matt will be heading out to Indiana uh, for the Big Ten tournament, which begins on Wednesday. So lots to follow here over the weekend. Thanks again here as we wrap up another edition of the Husker Online Show. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.